Oh my god, what? <laughs> ready? You're going to let me do my intro? Yes. You guys are just really judgmental right now. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Death Actually, a podcast where we talk about death, actually. Today is a special Valentine's Day episode since it's coming out on February 13th. So today we're all going to tell you stories that are about love and romance and also death. They're both looking at me like I just did a really bad intro. <laughs> no. She's real proud of this intro. I've had That's I wasn't almost even a full bottle of champagne. The ceiling. Yeah, but you did it in a judgmental way. <laughs> oh, my name is Dana. I'm Kylie. I feel like I'm going to be blackout drunk by the time this episode You're going to die today. I've had right. a few mimosas. <laughs> We're on the second bottle of champagne, and we have not started recording yet. <laughs> Okay, it's fine. It's Sunday morning. Y'all had champagne okay, and so... y'all had them going before I even got here. Okay, yeah, that was the first one. Okay, I did want to talk about something on the episode. You can tell me if you don't think this is interesting. I watched Abducted in Plain Sight last oh night. Oh my god. I was oh my god, guys, I haven't that. watched it. Okay, Dude. wait. So I Dude. haven't watched the whole thing. I was really tired when I started it, but I watched like part of it. I haven't watched I was... it. Okay, so we'll talk about it on the next episode, but yeah, holy next shit. Yeah. I'll watch it. Did you it's... finish it, Dana? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And I, I watched the Fire it. Festival documentary I last night. I was really tired, so I started falling asleep, yeah. but I'm going to finish it it's tonight. Fucking, it's fucked up. And the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix is really good. Oh, I haven't watched that. Oh my god, you have to. It's so it's just like Oh man. It was such a shit show. Was it like funny or I thought it was funny. Is it like a real story? Yeah. No, it's it's so what it it's what happened with the Fire Festival. Oh, okay. But I mean it, it was just so stupid. Everyone in it is so fucking dumb. I watched the trailer for it and yeah. there was this one guy that goes, If you're gonna drop a couple grand to go see someone to go see the blink 182 you deserve whatever you get (laughs) yeah i love it oh my god yeah and there's a hulu one that i want to watch too where apparently there's like a guy who just won tickets and he's like just a regular like middle class dude and he won tickets with work and he's like honestly seeing all these rich people freak out because they have to eat like a cheese sandwich is like chicken soup for the middle class soul i was like i love it i mean i like cheese too have you seen the picture, though? It's, like, three pieces of lettuce and, like, some wheat bread with two pieces of cheese on it. That's what, like, like drew attention to the whole thing, right? Yeah, that was, like, the biggest tweet. But they – there's a woman in it who was, like – like, because all the Bahamians that were, like, actually putting Living. on this festival uh. didn't get paid. And they worked, like, 18-hour days in the sun and had to cater food for, like, thousands of people and didn't get any money out of it. And so they did a GoFundMe for – the woman who was on the episode because she was like, I spent all of my life savings because I had to pay people back. She's like, because I employed all of these people and they didn't pay me, but I had to pay them. Kylie's got the champagne out. We're doing this. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the segment of ASMR with Kylie. (laughs) Kylie's really pushing the ASMR. Every episode I have to edit out you being like, Hey, this is ASMR. <laughs> Stop whispering. You 
fucking psychopath. All right, so. So we don't have any actual news for you guys? No, we don't have news. We're just kind of shit-talking. So Sarah is going to go first today. Yeah, with her story of love for Valentine's Day. Okay, so mine's not murdery or anything. It's just real fucked up. That's fine. We haven't built ourselves as a murder-based podcast. I know. I'm just letting you know. My last story was like... Horrifying, yeah. Yeah, it was real bad. Um, Kylie didn't get to hear it. But I'm waiting. Oh, yeah. Well, really actually, bad. that's going to air after this one. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. So my next story is real bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is the story of Linda Riss and Bert. I don't know how to say his last Bert name. Bert Reynolds. <laughs> Pugash. Pugash? I would say Pugash and then be like, I don't actually know how to pronounce okay. it. So this is the story of Linda Riss and Bert. Pugash, but don't quote me on that because I don't think that's right. It's a hard to pronounce last name. It's P-U-G-A-C-H. Yeah. If y'all know how to pronounce it, let me know. Anyways, so Linda Riss was 20 years old when she met Bert. He was a very successful 30-year-old man. What era is this? The 50s. Okay. So he's 30, she's 20. He was an accomplished attorney and he had a lot of money. Mm. He owned a plane, a Cadillac, and a nightclub on Long Island. So he saw Linda in a park one day, and he had to have her. So he approached her. Gross. for a bit. He asked her out. Linda accepted, and the rest is pretty much history from there. It gets real fucked up from now on. <laughs> so the rest is history much, in, like, a horrifying like, way. Like, that was pretty much the only good thing. Like, I think she got home that day and there were roses there for her which i don't even know how he got her address at that point oh boy there are roses for her there he would take her to super fancy places introduce her to celebrities and this is real just gross but when they would go to bert's nightclub he would have the band play a buddy clark song called linda Mm. it sounds sweet it's really not because the lyrics are cheesy and it says when my lucky star begins to shine with one lucky break, I'll make Linda mine. Okay, no, but that's like, nice. That sounds no, nice. Cheesy okay, AM. but like if someone did that to it. me. Here's the thing. Kylie. There's no Kylie or Dana song. There's a Sarah song, and it's something about Sarah smiles, and I'm like, this is real fucking annoying. Okay, well, Sarah doesn't as, like love. As, <laughs> as people that don't have songs I'm for their names. I'm married here, thank you, talking about I don't like love. Damn. Called out. Wow. Mm-hmm. I tried to get Jacob to give me a ring for Christmas, <laughs> have, and he didn't. I have a kid. I know, I know unconditional. I'm love an unwed means. mother, bitch. <laughs> oh wait, um, you can put this at like the beginning or something. <laughs> I got my information from an article in the Sunday Times that came out in June 2008 by Amy Turner. Cool. Um, but then Bert proposed, and Linda accepted. But as it turned out... Do you know what the timeline is for that? Like, how much longer after? I don't. Two days. I couldn't find... Two days. I couldn't find anything. Thank you. That's <laughs> canon. I couldn't find anything. Um, I know all of this happened within the time... Like, this whole story happened within a time span of, like, 1957 to 1959. Yeah. So, so two anyways, days. Um, as it turned out, Bert was very controlling and would get upset when Linda refused to sleep with him, telling mm. him she wanted to wait until they were married, which it's the 50s. It's it's fine. Did it's he respectable her? even now. No. Okay, good. 
No. So he was also... I just expect that. It starts from this era of just I mean, being like, okay, it's fine. I'll just rape you. Yeah, no. So he was also jealous of Linda's male friends and would accuse her of cheating. Mm. He even took her to get an exam one time to prove that she was still a virgin. Gross. Wow. Although it was tiring to Linda, she found it flattering because she never thought that much of herself or had much confidence. I mean, That's obviously he's, he's not thinking that much of her either. Yeah. Except if he's like, you're cheating on me, we're going to get you checked. Well, that's how you... That's how you manipulate someone. I just want someone. you guys to know that this story gets more fucked up. I'm sure. Um, but, I mean, that's how you manipulate someone into being in an abusive relationship is it someone who... Emotionally, physically, or mentally. Yeah. Right. It's someone who doesn't have any self-confidence and doesn't think they're worthy of love. And if you show them anything approximating it, they're like... This is so special and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just it's but gross. It's not. I didn't say it was good. That was all me saying it's not good. <laughs> so as Linda was planning their wedding, she heard a rumor going around that Bert was already married with a child. What the? Oh no! <laughs> when she confronted him, he confirmed and promised a speedy divorce. To which Linda told him. To just call her when the papers went through. What? Oh, and shit. Four hours later, he brought her the papers. Damn. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So, 24 hours later, he brought her the divorce papers, and I wrote down that Linda was a smart bitch because she had the index number checked and the papers were forged. <gasps> shit. Bert's wife refused to end the marriage as she was taking care of their daughter who had severe learning disabilities. Mm. Linda ended the engagement and began dating other men. Good. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm worried. That's my story. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) She she had a nice, quiet life after that. (laughs) Yes. She escaped the clutches of Burt Reynolds. Unfortunately. (laughs) No. Okay. So if Burt wasn't obsessive before, he definitely was now because he would send Linda gifts. He would write her love letters and call them. Over and over uh. and over and over. And each time he was more threatening than the last, telling Linda that if he couldn't have her, then nobody could. So then on June 15th, 19- night. I kind of feel that way about Greg. <laughs> if you can't have him, nobody does. <laughs> on June 15th, 1959, there was a knock at the door, and Linda's mother answered. And was told that they had a package for Linda. Oh, no. When Linda answered the door, lye was thrown in her face. What? Jesus. Which, lye is a chemical that can cause burns, blindness, and death. Well, so it's not to be like Mr. Science. But that's what I read. No, it is. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's basic. And so if you put a strong base on your skin, like, so- it actually will pull the fat out of it and it... It's like this really deep, horrible burn. Right. That, um, that's what you do if you have ingested arsenic. That's yeah, you, like what they tell like police to do is to like if someone drink ingests, No, if someone <laughs> ingests arsenic, then you take soap and you force them to eat the soap because mm-hmm. soap is a base and arsenic is acid, like mm-hmm. acidic, and it counteracts. And so then they right. just start throwing up. And it, like, it saves their lives. Yeah, it's the same as if you you pour, like, so if you're in the lab and you spill hydrochloric acid on yourself or something, like a strong acid, you, they have bases in the lab that are not really strong bases, but you can pour it over it and it neutralizes the acid. And so you end up not getting as severe burns. Um, 
this is all like unrelated to the story, basically. but it is interesting. Basically, but, Linda yeah, is that her name? Linda? <laughs> basically, what? is her name Linda? Yeah. Basically, Linda should have put some soap on her. Eaten some soap. <laughs> Rubbed herself with well, you know, We could be saving someone's life with this know. information. No, but it um, is. I mean, it's horrifying. It's the same as if you well, like you. I've seen women that have had acid thrown in their faces. It's the same thing of right. you're trying to disfigure someone mm-hmm. so that they can't be with anyone else. Or right. So yeah, a lie was thrown in her face when she answered the door. She um, did lose all of her hair for a time and uh-huh. sight in one eye, eventually losing her sight completely. Yeah, you'll get. I mean, you get awful. mutilated. Um. So I think I have this somewhere in her later on, but her her eyes ended up being like disfigured, I guess, mm-hmm. and her like she was blind, but like the, her skin was still fine. Like it was always said that she had flawless. It skin. was just in her eyes. Yeah, which I guess in a way that's lucky because I mean I've seen right. places where like there are places where it's common to if a woman does something that's like disobedient, you throw acid in her face, and I've seen places where fucking terrible. Yeah, I've seen places where people have all of their skin burned off and you have to get skin grafts and multiple surgeries. And I like, you don't have lips, you don't have a nose. Like it's, you just have like the base, just skin covering your skull. Like they're right. like, it's, I mean, it, there are places where it's really, really, really bad and you have right. your whole face. But still having life thrown in your face. No, it's not good. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, it's, yeah, it's right, interesting yeah. that she didn't get completely mutilated right. from it because it is such a like horrific thing to have happen to you. So, Linda knew that this was Bert's doing. He didn't even do it himself. He hired somebody to do it for him. Mm. Um, I read, I didn't put this in here, but I read somewhere that at one point he was, like, outside of her house, like, across the street or something with a gun, but couldn't bring himself to, like, go up and shoot her, shoot or anything. So, he hired somebody else to throw acid in her face. Jesus Christ. Um, Again, not acid, it's a base. So he he was arrested and sentenced to thirty years in prison. Linda recovered. Well, the guy who actually did it. I wonder if he got something too. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing is, they say like if you're a contract killer, whoever get, makes the contract gets in j- trouble. But you do too because you did it. Right. Yeah. They yeah. Too. Um, if they can piece they're it just together. Not right. Into the story. Sorry. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Linda recovered from the attack and began to travel Europe with her friends. Aww. She had many admirers, but no serious boyfriends. There was one man who wanted to marry her, but he had never seen her without her glasses. So when she started mm-hmm. wearing just the like black glasses to right, um, so her eye like yeah, her eyes were disfigured, but her skin mm-hmm. was still perfect. She took a chance and met him one day with wearing clear glasses. Um, and after that, she never heard from him again. That's so fucked up. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you went through this traumatic thing. It doesn't make you less of a person. Right. It gets worse. No. Sarah, stop. Bert, Happy Valentine's I'm Day, a, everybody. I'm almost, I'm almost done, but it does yeah. get worse. Um, Bert was released from prison in 1974. Linda was now 37. And it doesn't matter, but she was still a virgin. Oh. Um, while Bert was in jail, he continued to send her love letters, saying so Linda would never find another man to love her like he does, and signed them, your loving husband, Bert. At one point, he was sent to an asylum for slashing his wrists and yelling out, Linda, I love you, please take me back. Oh my god. Bert asked his lawyer to reach out to Linda to see if there was anything she needed. 
And when she said she needed money, he started sending her like fifty dollar installments, mm-hmm. which like cool that he's sending her money, but like fifty bucks. I don't know if I would take it though, because it's like that person, that kind of person, will send you money so you feel beholden to them and feel like you owe them something. Oh no! <laughs> so then I wrote that Linda had shit ass friends Ugh. because they all thought she was too vulnerable to never marry. So when Bert was released in 1974, after only serving 15 years of his sentence being released for good behavior, her friends urged her to meet up with him because it seemed like he was still in love with her and two got married later that year. In love with is a different context when the person is obsessive and crazy. I just so want to talk married to my later that year. I'm so mad. I just want to talk. What's their address? I just want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> Swear. 50s. They got married later <sighs> that year, and they stayed together until Linda passed away in 2013. Jeez. So he's still alive? He's still alive, as far as I know. Yeah. However, throughout the marriage, Linda knew that Bert was not faithful, and he didn't really seem to hide it. According to Linda, it's just something men do. What? That's so sad. At one point. Yeah, it's just something women do when they Lorena bob at you. Fuck yeah. At one point, he had an affair with his secretary, and when she called off the affair, he was arrested for harassment and stalking, but later was tried and acquitted of all charges. <laughs> Linda even defended him, saying he never did those things to them. Boys will be boys. I hate the 50s. And uh, that's my story. It just... Oh, I have a picture. No, oh, no. So this is them, like, when they were young at the top and then them at the bottom once, once he blinded her. She's beautiful. Wow. Wait, let me I see. That's okay. <laughs> I told you it was the fucked up love story. Well, yeah, it's just like it's – though. I feel Not like, even the fact that he, like, hired I someone don't, to throw a lie in her face. Just the fact that she fucking married him. We're posting these, but right? It, at the yeah. end? Okay. Yeah. I don't like this one of them when they're younger because – like she's, she's feeding like him. feeding him, yeah. and she doesn't look like she wants to be. I figured it was like a wedding picture or something. Like yeah. a cake. Well, no, I mean they were young; she, they weren't married. Yeah, because so. didn't she not get married until she was like fifty? Yeah, because when he, 30, when he, like thirty-seven. So there's a movie. Let me see my paper. Oh no, hang on, I don't you have, have it. Um, so there's a movie. She looks like doc- someone I know. Not there's a documentary me. about Is it this. Grace there's a documentary about this called crazy love that was released in june of like 2007 2008 it's uh, i feel like there was just this expectation for a long time that like or an expectation for a long time that got like you would be abused in your marriage it just is what it is like and he'll cheat on you and boys will be boys yeah that's that's all it's gonna be in that article there's an interview with them and they ask Bert, like, how many times he's cheated on Linda, and he just kind of laughed, and he was like, how many times? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know. Linda a bunch. Know. Like, yeah. Jesus. It was awful. Well, and then, like, the expectation of, like, you have to be the perfect little housewife. I mean, like, mm-hmm. there's still people – I don't think they're – they won't listen, but, like, there's family <laughs> members of mine that still will turn to their wife and be – like, like, this one time – this person's wife was cooking and like she didn't get to sit down until we had basically already finished eating mm-hmm. because my other family member, her husband kept complaining about things being cold or him needing a drink or he, his, his ice was running low and like, 
Oh my god. No. So I I cook dinner for Chase and I like I don't mind like yeah like cooking. like that's fine like he'll be sitting down playing his video games I'll be cooking dinner like after we push his mm-hmm. work I don't care but like I'll bring us our food and I'll sit it down and he'll just sit there like we'll be watching TV and he'll he'll sit there and like get so into the TV show that his food gets cold and I'm like Chase eat <laughs> but he doesn't ask me to like get up and that's what would piss me off but he mm-hmm. like asked me to get well, up and like heat his food up and, and then like one of the things was like tamales and so he like he was like these are still frozen she was like they were never frozen yeah like, i and, made these yeah and he was like well they're cold and so like she had to like heat it up and i was just like me and my mom were sitting there and we were like there is what the- so crazy there is nothing wrong with like Frozen tamales. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with like catering to your husband or boyfriend like that. But, like there's a point. Or them catering like, to you. Like yeah, there's nothing sure. wrong with it. But when it starts to become a disrespectful and expected yeah, yeah, thing, exactly. that's when I have an issue with it. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. like the other night I had to work until six thirty, and I was like, Jacob, here's the recipe. Make food. Like you know, it's there has to be an expectation of like if Chase there just has to be some sort of equality. Of, Chase isn't much of. Cooker. Like, he'll grill. Like, well, I'll get oh, home yeah. and he'll be grilling. Or he'll go get us food. And that's perfectly fine. Jacob with me. loves There's... to cook. It's wonderful. <laughs> he has, like, we have pizza nights where he makes homemade pizza for everybody. Like, it's it's really nice. I'm I love perfectly it. happy when I get home and Chase's grilling hamburgers. Or Hell yeah. Dogs, or he yeah. goes and gets my pizza. Greg cooks. Care. Men have grown up, I feel like, in some ways. Because it's like, women, it's, most women won't accept a relationship where they're like subject. Yeah, like I was gonna say. Remember, this is the fifties. Yeah. So you know. Okay, I have to pee so bad. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna pause this. All right. So this is Dana. In case you can't tell our voices apart, you can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't tell me and Kylie apart, uh-huh. and sometimes I can't tell me and sometimes, Sarah apart. Yeah. Basically, yeah. if the person's being funny, it's me. Basically, if they're <laughs> hilarious, it's Dana. <laughs> All right. So this is Dana. This story is kind of like silly. It's just a ghost story that I grew up with. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina, which is... How far from Raleigh? It's about four hours west of Raleigh. Okay. okay, so I grew up with this hotel called the Grove Park Inn. So this is the story of the ghost that famously stays in the Grove Park Inn. I found most of my information from one of my favorite websites, which is NorthCarolinaGhosts.com. Oh my god. Um, Clever name. <laughs> I just The person needs a raise. There's one. There's one in Nashville called the Chicken Alley Ghost that I really like that I want to do. Me and Kylie can do a story on Goatman's Bridge. That's true. You can do <gasps> Okay, Texas I've been stories. there. Have you been there? Oh, I used to go all the time. Oh my god. I almost peed my pants there one time. <laughs> like, there was these kids that came out. Sorry, just pause No, go quick. for it. There were these kids that came out, and um, so I was there with my friends Winter, Colin, and someone else and um we were like oh yeah we're gonna go ghost hunting like whatever yeah blah blah i got so scared i ended up staying in the car oh, no. um but as i'm sitting in the car I not want to stay in my car out there yeah well i would i would take dana sometime yeah we'll go we'll go i'm sometime. scared already but i was sitting in my car and or not my car whatever i was sitting in the car mm-hmm. and these kids like i was i look over and these kids are like all, like all of a sudden, all these cars just pull up, and these kids get out, and they're carrying like bats, crossbows, guns, what the fuck, axes, like oh just like a bunch God. of shit. And I was like, "Oh my God!" Like Winter and Colin are gonna die. <laughs> and so I just like sunk back down into the seat. <laughs> and, Did they leave the keys in the car? And yeah, because oh, I had driven off. So I was like trying to call Winter and Colin, and I was like, "Dude, like these people just got out of the car. Like you need to come on." 
and they didn't answer. So then, like, I had to call the police. Oh my god! Did they <laughs> because show up? Be- I called the police because these kids were just like I don't even think they were kids. Like they were probably like my age, but like they were like running across the road, like the the road that's like right uh-huh. by the bridge, and oh, yeah, like no, they and they were like they were shooting the crossbow out into like the field next to it so it was like they weren't just like hunting ghosts or whatever i don't know what they're gonna do with the crossbow yeah ghosts don't but like but there was like a ton of people there so it's like they could have easily hit someone (laughs) yeah and so that's like one of the few times i've called the police in my life that's horrifying but there's like like a satanic stuff the north carolina yeah Ghost. North Sorry. Carolina Ghost. Sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> I got most of my information from NorthCarolinaGhost.com. There's an article about the pink lady. And then I also read an article from the Atlas Obscura that was by Susan Harlan. So I want to talk a little bit about the history of the hotel first. Because it's gorgeous, it's historic, and it has sort of an interesting story of how it came to be. It's this huge hotel that has a really distinctive exterior. Um, it has walls that are these huge granite stones, like kind of tan granite. And then it has this sort of flat roof that's made of terracotta so it's like kind of tan stones and then an orange roof so it was built on top of sunset mountain in Asheville in 1913 um it was built out of granite that was pulled from sunset mountain and it was built by edwin wiley grove so grove made his fortune in the old-fashioned pharmaceutical industry so he became rich and famous because he marketed grove's tasteless chill tonic which was a product that contained quinine So in the early 1900s, malaria was really common still in the southeast. Quinine is an effective malaria preventative, so people would just drink quinine, but it has this really, really bitter flavor. So um, quinine? Quinine? So have you ever had like a gin and tonic? No, it's gross. (laughs) (laughs) So tonic water is has quinine in it. I've got tonic water Mandela shots to make them glow. What? Glow? Yeah. Okay. Um, like under a black so, Jello shots yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Well, so quinine is what is in tonic water that you make a gin and tonic with. So that's like where it came from was that quinine was originally used as a preventative for malaria because it works, but it it's super bitter. So like if you put quinine and stuff, it's really really bitter. Tonic water has like 02 percent quinine. But if you're trying to take it as a medicine, it's like 50%. So Grove marketed this tasteless chill tonic, which had quinine in it, was malarial preventative, but it also had iron, sugar, lemon flavoring, and alcohol, which covered up the bitter taste of quinine. Um, So because you couldn't taste the quinine, it wasn't just like disgusting. You could get kids to drink it. You could get whoever to drink it. It was full of alcohol. Safe. It's fine. Um, So as far as medicine in that era goes, it's better than most because it – actually is effective against malaria and it didn't have a ton of cocaine in it so like that's well, I mean, something that, that's a downside i mean it has a lot of alcohol <laughs> but there wasn't <laughs> unfortunately it didn't have cocaine in it so they have this tagline that says makes children and adults as fat as pigs oh yeah because like sorry wait when was this again this was in the like teens like 1913 okay yeah because oh. it's like if you were fat you had money back yeah then. because you were able to you weren't just starving yeah yeah so here's the groves uh tasteless chill tonic what? so it's a baby's head on a pig's body <laughs> and 
<laughs> makes children and adults as fat as pigs. It's so fucked up. That's what I said. It's like it's more fucked up than the ghost itself because it's so weird. With this tasteless chill tonic, he ended up making millions of dollars. In the late 1890s, his Grove's tasteless chill tonic actually sold more bottles than Coca Cola. Wow. So it was huge. I mean, he was Coca-Cola made rich. with real Coke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so unfortunately, one didn't have cocaine, one did. So originally, Grove came to Asheville, North Carolina, on the advice of his doctor, because the Blue Ridge has always been kind of a health resort. So they call it the land of the sky. It's got hot springs. There's mountains. Um, there's fresh air. And so people would go for, like, as a health retreat, basically. One source says that Grove was often ill with bronchitis and exhaustion, but the Wikipedia article actually says that he had extreme hiccups. So for weeks at a time, he would have hiccups. And so he visited to, like, cure his hiccups. You can die from hiccups. I sound like a chihuahua. I hate hiccuping. I'm like, You're like, stop. Shut up. I'm not doing it. I'm hurt. It hits. My dad says. Once he visited Asheville a couple times, he decided it was this beautiful place. And so he started buying a property. Um, He wanted to build a hotel there to rival the most luxurious, most fancy hotels in the country. And that's what he achieved. It's huge. It has a great spa. It has restaurants. And then my favorite thing about it, they have this gingerbread house competition at Christmas. So they get people from all over the country to submit their gingerbread houses. And there are these, they're like, beautiful like they don't look like gingerbread every entry has to be made of completely a completely edible i guess construction one of them was like atlantis it had like columns and these beautiful things i'll find a few of them i remember seeing this one so this one is like it's pandas eating bamboo they've got this one which is uh reindeer playing poker so they have these like really kind of immaculate gingerbread houses I actually went there for Christmas this year. So we go pretty much every Christmas. They have like a Christmas dinner there. I if that would be equal to like the Gaylord and Great Fat. Probably. Okay. Well, there's no equal. Um, All right. Yeah. We're taking you to the Gaylord Ice Show next semester. <laughs> or, mm, not sorry, next, next semester. semester. I'm in college. <laughs> Me too, girl. Um, do they have ice sculptures? Year. Yeah. It's all made oh. out of ice. Google it. That's really cool. Yeah, so they have this gingerbread house competition. It's on, like, Good Morning America every year. It's really cool. Um, and then this year, I had never seen this before, but I went in, and they had a hot chocolate stand in the lobby that the stand was made of gingerbread. Oh, and it was dangerous. like, did you what? Sounds dangerous. I, I, I mean, I didn't, like, cave in, so I guess it's fine. Wait, I'm going to find it. This? That thing? Oh, yeah. Shimmy, 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 shimmy like an actual house size no it's literally people three people were standing inside of it serving hot chocolate how would you be if i dropped your phone i would be i mean it's already broken you'd be fine (laughs) but yeah so it's so crazy and so it had these things it was like i can't read it my phone but they use like five thousand pounds of flour they actually finished the hotel in just under a year from the groundbreaking which is insane if you see this hotel it's huge so they used they used men, mules, and wagons. They lifted granite stones weighing up to 10,000 pounds. So since its opening, it's been visited by 10 presidents, including Obama. It also has another guest who's been there since the 1920s. The Pink Lady is Grove Park Inn's most famous ghost. I've heard about her since I was a little kid. I remember, like, people when I was growing up would be like, oh, my gosh, have you heard of the Pink Lady? It's... Have you ever seen her? I haven't. There are a lot of stories of her, but I've actually I've never seen a ghost at all. So the pink lady is Grove Perkins' famous ghost. Uh, she often appears as either just a pink mist or a fog in the hotel lobby 
or around the hotel, but she's also been seen as a corporeal ghost so she's a beautiful young woman she's been described as having like long blonde hair and then she wears a pink 1920s era ball gown um however not a lot is known about who she actually was so this is where the love part comes in uh this is where i actually like basically decided this would be appropriate for a valentine's day episode so what most people say about the pink lady is that she was a young woman in the first decade of the hotel's opening so in the 1920s who fell to her death from a fifth-floor balcony into the Palm Court in the Grove Park Inn. So she wasn't a registered guest of the hotel. They don't have her name. But like most ghost stories, there's varying accounts of her death. So I heard different stories growing up. People said she fell or she was pushed. Uh, but in researching the story deeper, there doesn't really seem to be one like exact truth. So, so she wasn't visiting? Like she wasn't a guest at the hotel? She, she wasn't was a visiting. guest. She was visiting okay. a guest. So what's known is that she was staying in a get, staying with a guest in room 545, and somehow she fell from this balcony into the Palm Court. Some say that she was, like, sitting on the railing after a party, and she just slipped off of it and fell. But then there's kind of more scandalous stories. So because she wasn't actually a registered guest but was staying with one, uh, most theories say that she was meeting with a secret lover who was married. So they say that he, because he was a married man, he met with her to call off the relationship. She jumped to her death out of despair, or he was married and went to call off the relationship, and she said she would tell someone, and so he pushed her off. Right. Um, I buy the push more than the jump. Exactly. Uh, another story says that she was a servant girl who was, like, sleeping with the man of the house, and when he found out she was pregnant, that's when he pushed her. But it doesn't explain, like, the ball gown, people say. So she's not really spooky she's actually kind of like friendly and sweet um there's lots of stories about her and they've been told since the 20s or 30s so she seems to prefer children so she'll appear to them more often than adults which makes sense because kids are you know supposedly more open yeah they're more innocent they're more open they don't have like preconceived notions well and then if she was pregnant and knew she was pregnant right like maybe she has like a maternal yeah Mm -hmm. so there are kids who have gotten sick while they've been staying at the hotel and they said they've been visited by a young woman wearing pink who sits at their bedside, strokes their hands, speaks softly to comfort them while they're sick. And then once a doctor who was visiting the hotel with his family at checkout was like, please say thank you to the woman in the pink ball gown. She was so nice. She was so sweet. And she, like, my, my children loved playing with her. Employees say that she often appears more often in the off-season or late at night. So when most most of the guests are sleeping, the employees see her. Um, several employees have stories of seeing a woman. They either like walk by a doorway or they walk into a room, but when they go look for her, she's gone. Um, several employees have mentioned feeling chills all over their bodies as they walk towards room 545. Um, there are some that they say that it gets progressively stronger until they end up actually just leaving. She often appears to employees and they seem to take it in stride like, oh, she's just part of the hotel. She's just, you know, she's yeah. something that we're used to. She also does kind of like the normal ghost pranks. So she'll move furniture, she flushes toilets, opens windows, makes like electrical switches, turn off and on. And then she also like will tickle people's feet. Like guess that. (laughs) She like tickles people's feet when they're asleep, which yeah, I was like, it's I guess. I was cool with her until then. (laughs) But that's so horrifying, yeah. I don't like it. Um but you're fine because you don't believe in ghosts. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, I've never actually stayed in the Grove Park Inn, so I'm fine. 
the one question I had was why there isn't a record of a woman dying in the hotel during this era. Because obviously, if the story is that this woman fell from a balcony or something, you'd think there would be a story. At so, least news reports. Exactly. So one possibility is that there was an article in a local newspaper, but nobody's ever found it. Nobody's like combed through decades of newspapers to find it. It's also possible that if she was visiting from out of town or if rather than falling, she actually just died of natural causes that it wouldn't be written up about because it wasn't, you know, supposedly that important. There was nobody ever looking for her. Right. No, I mean, there's nothing like corroborating the story at all. Um, So if there was a tragic death in the first days of the hotel, like when it first opened, it's possible that Grove and Seely were so influential that they had enough money to cover up the death and keep it from being publicized. That's likely. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's it's always possible. So, it's also possible that, you know, people saw a ghost and they came up with a story to explain it. So, perhaps the Pink Lady, as we know her, never really existed. And, in fact, it's someone else. There are a couple of different theories about who it, it could be. So the first is Annie E. Williams. She's a, a young woman who was visiting Asheville in 1913. Um, she was walking along a trestle bridge near Asheville on July 12th, which was actually the day of the Grove Perkins opening banquet. While she was walking, she was struck and killed by a train. She was nearly decapitated and died instantly, and her body was later returned to her home in Florida because she was just visiting. However, the other passengers on the train included then-Secretary of State William Jennings Bryan, um, and other political dignitaries. So William Jennings Bryan was, like, the guy that did the Cross of Gold speech. And, like, he was a big deal. So the place that they were all headed was the Grove Park Inn. So there's this guy called Bruce that is on artsandcraftcollector.com. And this is his theory that he says the gown would have been stained with blood, turning it pink. And then she might have followed the train that hit her all the way to its final destination, which was the Grove Park Inn. And maybe once she got there, she liked it so much that she decided to stay. There's also another theory, which is interesting. The other runner-up for the identity of the Pink Lady is Zelda Fitzgerald, who is actually the wife of F. Scott Fitzgerald. There's a local man, apparently, in Asheville, who calls every now and then to tell the hotel that the Pink Lady is actually Zelda Fitzgerald's ghost. And I was like, I hope that's not my dad. Um, (laughs) I hope it is. (laughs) I hope it is, yeah. So Zelda Fitzgerald was incredibly intelligent. She was creative. She was, I mean, she was kind of a visionary, but she was married to F. Scott Fitzgerald and he was he didn't want her to overshadow him. He didn't want her stories to exceed his stories. So she was kind of the representation of like the flapper lifestyle in the twenties. She didn't want to play the domestic role that she was saddled with. She didn't want to cook and clean. She was kind of her own person. She was an author in her own right. She painted pictures. She was a ballet dancer. Um, and so she felt really confined into this role that she's forced into as, like, so, a sorry, wife. you said belly or ballet? Ballet. Okay. <laughs> she's a belly dancer. <laughs> I mean, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, I mean, I've tried to do belly dancing, but I it's learned when I was 15. Really hard. Belly dancing? That's awesome. Yeah, oh my God. as a birthday party, we did that. We used to go to this restaurant in <laughs> Asheville called... Um, belly dancers. <laughs> we used to go to this restaurant in Asheville called The Jerusalem Garden, and they have a belly dancer every, like, Friday and Saturday night, and I was obsessed with it in a kid, and as a kid and I always wanted to do it and like I just never ended up taking classes but I love it I think it's like so you should take belly dancing and pole dancing classes I take pole dancing I have a pole in my apartment it's such a workout it's fucking crazy (laughs) it's so hard they made us they made us do pole ups which is just a pull up but you hold onto a pole and pull your entire body weight up let's do it so hard (laughs) please come over anytime I'll show you my like moves that I've learned Um, okay I'm done. 
<laughs> so when Zelda Fitzgerald turned 30, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and she spent the rest of her life in and out of mental institutions. So there's sort of this idea of she was she wasn't interested in playing a domestic role, so maybe there is something to say about she was forced into these institutions because she didn't fit what a woman was supposed to be in that time. But either way, she was um, actually put into Highland Hospital in Asheville, North Carolina. It's just outside of downtown. I've like I've been to this site before where it used to be. But she stayed. She was there for treatment um, from 1936 until 1948. And in 1948, she was actually killed in a fire that burned down Highland Hospital. So it's possible that her spirit traveled over to the Grove Park Inn, which is where her husband had stayed while he was writing, um, visiting Asheville for inspiration from 1935 to 1936. Whoever the Pink Lady is or was, she's a friendly ghost. She's interested in joking around, playing pranks, but she doesn't cause harm. Um, Stories of her have been told for at least half a century. So whether or not it's a corroborated story, it seems like People have seen her for many years, and they'll see her for years to come. She's the ghost that I grew up hearing about from the time I was a little kid. I talked to my mom. She was born in Asheville. She's also heard about her her entire life. So researching this and, like, getting more information was really fun. Um, I know it's not the most most Valentine's story, but there was some element of her as a ghost uh, being, you know, pushed from a balcony by her lover. So I figured it would be at least somewhat appropriate, and I wanted to, I wanted to be able to tell this story because I – I love it. So, okay, Kylie, <coughs> for us today. Okay, so I have. Can you hear me? Um, yeah, I have the Black Widows of Liverpool. Yes, and so you've heard of them? No, I just love Black Widows. Okay, <laughs> I actually first heard of these women in I don't know when, but I was in a class and I had to write a paper on them. Hmm. Like I didn't have to write it on them for but criminology. I had to, yeah, criminal justice, yeah. Criminal and, justice. Um, okay, so Catherine. I feel so bad, but I feel like I need to go pee again. I'm so sorry. Go. Okay, I'm going to pause it. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm good. All right. Sorry, guys. All right. Well, we had to take a pee break for Dana. I'm Dana, sorry. Along. <laughs> I've had so I'm many drink She's going to take a pee break between both stories. I, uh, don't Dan, drink before water. we start recording, right? Or no? I don't think, I don't think I did. Oh, who knows? Maybe. Yeah, point. we'll say she did. <laughs> How's it taste? It's good. Pretty <laughs> champagne heavy. <laughs> I poured the the rest of the second bottle oh, in there. Oh, no. <laughs> Almost the rest. Of okay, oh, yeah. Well, me and I'm not going to be able to drink that. Like, it's a fine. Lot of it, but. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. okay. So, the Black Widows of Liverpool are Catherine and Margaret Flanagan. Are they sisters? Yes. Mm -hmm. They came to Liverpool from Ireland in the late 1800s to become landladies. Hell yeah. Change your dreams. Right? (laughs) So, all of these events happened around, like, 1884. So, they began housing Catherine's son, John Flanagan, a lodger... Thomas Higgins and his then six-year-old daughter, Mary, and uh, Patrick Jennings with his then 14-year-old daughter, Margaret. Though they had enough lodgers, uh, the sisters were still extremely poor. Um, So they had two families with them? They had one, two, three, four, five, five people that weren't the two sisters staying there. Okay. As they became more and more worried about their financial situation, 
they became aware of burial societies in the Liverpool area. A burial society was essentially a nonprofit life insurance group where all members paid dues and then the money was given out to those who lost relatives to pay for their funeral expenses. That's nice. Yeah. And the sisters realized that they could make money off of the life insurance offered by these societies if they had cheap, minimal funeral services. So I wrote <laughs> OG insurance fraud. <laughs> Um, if we just throw them in a cardboard box and push them into the river, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> we'll make, make a profit. Bank. Um, so the first victim was Catherine's own son, John. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. And um, to the outside world, it seemed as though a once healthy 22-year-old boy came ill quickly. Like, I can't imagine, like, because I'm 22. I can't imagine my mom just being like, <laughs> you gotta go. Get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Um. <laughs> and so the, he quickly became ill, and it was the illness that took his life. Behind mm-hmm. closed doors, Catherine had poisoned her son with arsenic. Jesus. And Catherine collected the money from the burial society almost immediately. It's not that much money, though, to kill your kid for. Yeah. It might have been back then. But, I no. mean, even a couple thousand dollars would be a little, like... Hey, man. Maybe like 30, I'll tell you how 000? much it was at the end. Yeah. Not long after this, Margaret Flanagan became Margaret Higgins, marrying lodger Thomas Higgins. A year after the couple married, now eight-year-old Mary Higgins. So became- that's Margaret's daughter? No, that's Thomas's daughter. Because okay. she was when they first met, she was six, but it's been two years since they started. Okay, and lodging. Thomas is one of the lodgers. Yes. Okay. And so, but Margaret married him. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and so then eight-year-old Mary Higgins became ill and passed away in the mm. same quick manner as her previous housemate, John, had only two years earlier. That's horrifying to kill an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like, not yeah. good. Talk about stepmom of the year. <laughs> Once again, the money was collected with what some considered disrespectfully fast. So they were like, oh, she's dead. A day after. Give me like, the money. Oh, yeah. shit. Give me. Yeah, yeah. Only a couple months later. Another mar- lodger, 16-year-old Margaret Jennings, was killed. Um, this is when suspicion grew in the Liverpool neighborhood. After the neighbors started to gossip about the deaths, the sisters and Thomas moved. And then, again, the gossip started, so then they moved again. What finally did the sisters in was their murder of Thomas Higgins, Margaret's husband. Higgins died after only two days of the sudden illness, and though the sisters and the doctors blamed his drinking and attributed his death to dysentery, which I googled that, and it's I on Oregon Trail. and I googled, yeah. and I googled um, if you could die from it, and you can, but Google, yeah, you shit yourself to death. Yeah, Google said if it's properly treated, it can last up to ten days, but about. Uh, 140 million people get it a year, mm-hmm. and of them, 600,000 die. But those deaths are typically in children under five and or in under underdeveloped countries. So yeah. without proper proper I medical mean, care. I mean, dysentery is isn't that the one from like corpses or like dirty water? It's yeah, like yeah. what y'all just said. You basically shoot yourself to death, but like yeah, yeah. Get- it, it but it's curable. Like, yeah, it's with the anti- doctor's care. Right. You can get antibiotics, yeah. But if you are, if you have uncontrollable diarrhea and you're not given antibiotics for it, you'll die of dehydration. But he died within two days. Though Thomas Higgins' death was apparent dysentery, and which raised no questions for the doctors. Higgins' brother, Patrick, was surprised to hear that his brother, who had been strong and in good general health, 
could have to succumb to that illness so easily. Yeah, because if you're dying – diarrhea and vomiting. Yeah. Di- like you're dying of dehydration. Yeah, so dehydrated. if you are – generally in good health otherwise that won't kill you in two days yeah unless you are being poisoned yeah and so when he also discovered that his brother had been insured with five different burial societies which left his widow with a profit of around a hundred pounds which a hundred pounds that's not that many pounds yeah it said a hundred sterling pounds which uh i googled the equivalent to today's money yeah and that is about uh, hundred and thirty dollars in U.S. dollars. That's <laughs> not worth it. Well, yeah, because like so, I mean, like a hundred and thirty dollars is, like... I mean, yeah, it was like a lot more than it is now back in the eighteen hundreds, but it's still like not not enough to kill several several people. No, I mean, even if it's a couple thousand dollars, it's not worth it. I mean, I'd say maybe a million. Is it a million? No, she's saying you're saying you would kill somebody for a million. Maybe dollars. more than a million, actually. I'd I'd have to be set for life. How much would you kill Greg for? How much is his life insurance policy? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. His life insurance policy isn't. <laughs> Greg don't isn't much. <laughs> it isn't much, but I am the sole beneficiary. Hey, hey. hundred beats set. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I just see all your posts that are like. I took out the trash today and nobody gave me credit. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, Kylie's on the edge. <laughs> no, no, Greg does Same. clean and cook. So, like, he's got that go for him. <laughs> he's not qu- quite a murderer. But with life insurance money, yeah. I could just hire a maid. <laughs> exactly. Just kidding. <laughs> no, if Greg, if something happens to Greg, like I promise, it wasn't me. So he was left with a profit of around 100 pounds. And yeah, hang on, I just want to say, if something ever happens to Chase, I'm in fucking trouble. Because you are the most murderous. <laughs> like you have skulls on every surface. My shower curtain is just full of serial killers. <laughs> it scares the shit out of me every time I go to the bathroom. They're gonna look at my search history. And just be like, <laughs> How to kill with cyanide? How like, to kill with arsenic? Like, no, but really, I, what does cyanide do to the body? <laughs> <laughs> Why does arsenic smell like almonds? Is it cyanide that smells like almonds? I think it's so. Cyanide, okay. Yeah. That's my favorite scent is like almond scent. You are a <laughs> psychopath, Sarah. I have. Okay. So, you know, those, um, what's it called? The scent. The wallflowers. From, the wallflowers from mm-hmm. Bath and Body Works. I have bought like a shit ton of them in almond scent. And I have a candle in it of almond scent too. And I love amaretto. Almond liqueur. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Bitter almond. But I hate. Actual, smells like cyanide. I hate actual almonds. So at least there's that. I like clean linens. So the brother then heard of all of the numerous deaths in the house. So he then took it upon himself to investigate, which is like what all three of us would do. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, if I wrote up to dying. the side, my man. <laughs> <laughs> in all caps. <laughs> my man. My man. Oh, God. Did you tie-dye that shirt yourself? Nope, but I like this dick. <laughs> it looks like... You tie-dyed it. Because it has a... It's a pink. Yeah. It has just a look of a little dog. It looks like you she bought follows. a white shirt She's and tie-dyed like, it. No, it's not pink, you fucking idiot. I took, it took me a second. <laughs> I was like, no, it's fucking blue. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, no, the brand. No, I thought maybe you, like, got a pink. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I ironed on this dog. 
and tie dyed this shirt because I'm broke. <laughs> no, but I'm saying you never tie dyed anything. <laughs> Um, I think I really? last tie dyed something in like grade school. I went to Girl Scout camp for a very long time, and we tie dyed every year. And my tie dye was my always mom it would turn me. brown because I couldn't do it properly. <laughs> I, so it was a brown shirt at the end. <laughs> I was not allowed to do you that because my mom said it together. made too much of a mess, and that I make too much of a mess. I mean, I don't let Hunter play with play doh because I don't want to clean it up. That's fair. I ate Play-Doh when I was a kid. She only tried to eat it the twice. Last time I went over to my brother's, it's salty. Playing, it's good. I was playing with my nephew's <laughs> Play-Doh. They got like this, like grill press thing for the yeah. Play-Doh. So like you can get the different colored Play-Dohs and make like the lettuce on the bun. Mm-hmm. And so Preston, he just puts like all of the colors together. Like he puts the brown and the red and the, pushes like, them all together and all of that. And he stacks up the like globs of Play-Doh and then he just smashes it. <laughs> I don't think that's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> so he pulls it all out, and he's like, look. And I was, it's just, like, all mashed colors. I was like, yep. You did it. You, you did really did yeah, that. Yeah, see that? I don't like that. Like, I don't like the mixing of colors of Play-Doh. So, like, when she does play with Play-Doh, I give her one color, and that's it. <laughs> I sat there, and I tried to, like, they had just gotten it for, like, Christmas, I think, or his birthday or something. So I sat there, and I tried to, like, undo all Pull the it apart, yeah. Because I'm a good aunt, but I couldn't do it. I tried. Kids deserve the brown Play-Doh that they've created. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, he asked the coroner's office to do a full autopsy to the surprise of the mourners. Mourners. To surprise mourners. the mourners? No, to the surprise of. Ah, okay. The coroner arrived at the home to perform the examination during the wake, being held there for Higgins. So, like, everyone's there, like, <laughs> mourning their loss. And the he's like, excuse killer. me, I have to cut this. <laughs> yeah, he man goes, open. excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna need to just real quick take off this man's <laughs> head. <laughs> okay, and so when the full autopsy of his body was carried out, evidence of arsenic poisoning was found. Um, his organs showed traces of arsenic and quantities indicating the poison had been take- taken over several days. Like, he was just giving it over yeah. and over so again. She just, every be, time she brought him something, it had arsenic in it. It would be a pretty insane amount for it to kill him that fast. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows you're supposed to just do it a little bit at a time. <laughs> okay, so then I've said um, they found traces of arsenic everywhere, underlined. In Thomas's like body. in the boarding home? No, in his body. I mm. just finished the sentence. In his body. Yes, yeah, so they found it everywhere in his body. Evidence from the home included a bottle, quote, a bottle containing a mysterious white substance and a market <laughs> pocket worn by Margaret. Market quote, pocket? I don't know what that is. A market pocket. I just, that was the <laughs> quote. I just, can you Google no, it? No, I'm going to look it up. Yes. Yeah, market pocket. Market pocket, market 1800s. Market pocket? Market pocket. Yeah. That's what the quote said. It was examined by poison expert Dr. Campbell Brown, um, who verified the presence of arsenic. Dust in Margaret's pocket and the arsenic solution containing unusual adulterants in the bottle. There's nothing about a market pocket. It's just pocket watches. <laughs> well, then it's a pocket watch. It's a pocket watch, sure. If we're wrong, let if me know. If anybody knows what a market pocket is, please let us know. That's what the quote said, so I just went with it. No, it's for funny. accuracy I mean, purposes. Call stuff. I still want to know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. The police confronted the sisters at a pub in Liverpool, at which point Catherine sprinted out the door, still in her, in her funeral attires. <laughs> and I wrote rude. That's not suspicious. 
Yeah. And then, so then at the time, Margaret was arrested for the murder of her husband. This prompted the examination of the other lodgers that met their untimely fate with the sisters. All three had traces of arsenic in their body. Um, a woman recognized Catherine while she was staying at the woman's house as a lodger. Um, so she turned her in. On October 16th, 1883, the sisters were charged with the murder of Thomas Higgins and sentenced to death. On March 3rd, 1884, the sisters were hanged together, and they are now known as the Black Widows of Liverpool. Wow. And so, like, before that, I didn't realize that Black Widows could, like, also kill. Like, you could be referred to as a Black Widow even as, like, if you're just killing your children. Like, I always thought it was just husbands, but... I mean, she killed her husband as well, right? Yeah, Yeah, but she... She killed all other people that she wasn't really right. related to. If you but kill yeah. I mean, I think Black Widow usually refers to husbands, but I think if you kill your husbands and there other was a, There was people. another one that I was going to do. And this lady, she had 10 marriages and all like all of them like were dead. They like, ended one, it with him, huh? Do that one at some point. Oh, okay. Cuz I, I was think like, Black what Widows the hell? Are, I think Black Widows are really interesting. But you guys, so I just I was scrolling on Facebook just now and somebody posted this picture and it's a bathtub full of brains, preserved human brains found in an abandoned Texas insane asylum. So, wow. I read the comments on it and it said that it's probably so there there were 100 so uh brains discovered in a Texas insane asylum insane asylum but actually those were all discovered in jars what they think that picture is is from eastern europe that there was a mental institution that was preparing brains to be processed and they put them in a bathtub (laughs) because in the texas insane asylum when they were found they were all in jars oh Mm -hmm. well either way i found it yeah because i was going to share it on the death actually page and then i was like oh this isn't actually real go follow us on facebook um, I would also <laughs> want to say that I got a lot of my stuff from Wikipedia and crimemuseum.org. What museum? Crime Museum. It's Kai? like crime? Crime. Crime. C-R-I-M-E. Museum. Dana didn't cite hers at all, so. Yes, she did. She did. I did oh, right fuck. up top. I did. <laughs> she always does it at the beginning. Um, yeah, I but. Yeah, it's crime museum. That's where I get all of my information to like for my papers mm-hmm. and stuff. So NorthCarolinaGhost.com. I use Murderpedia a lot. Murderpedia is really good. I get I use Murderpedia for a lot of the newspaper articles from the time. It usually has a lot of those. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Um, I hope if you're in a relationship, you had a fun time. If you're single. <laughs> I hope you, had, you had a more fun time. Yeah, I hope you had a good time listening to people murdering their spouses and uh, making it, you know, maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship. Maybe the person that you're in a relationship with is going to kill you eventually. <laughs> okay, follow us on uh, Death Actually <laughs> on Twitter and Death Actually Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And we have a, a, a page and a group on Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, email us at deathactually at gmail.com. And make sure you like, rate, review, and subscribe. And tell your friends. And share. Thanks, guys. We've gotten, like, almost 100 views now on our first episode, and it's really exciting. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this. And if you, you know, 
want to follow us or help out, please do review on iTunes. It really gives us a, review, a boost. Guys. We'll get so excited hearing your reviews. We screenshot yeah. them to each other. We will <laughs> We will read out any direct messages or reviews that you post. We'll give you a shout out. If you want out. us to. Yeah. I swear <laughs> to God, we will. We will do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, okay, thanks guys so much. Bye.